It's Cofield and Company. 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 Who puts y'all in charge of snack distribution? With Steve Cofield. Then I seen him. I seen Steve. And Adam Hill. Adam Hill is usually so fair, so reasonable. Uh, That's shocking to hear something like that from Adam Hill. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Yeah! Friday, 5 o'clock hour, Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is the company. Finley Toyota Studios, uh, turning the, uh, pushing the buttons, turning the knobs, pushing the slides, all that stuff. Controlling the show is Ari. Good 5 o'clock hour on the way. I'm looking forward to this weekend. This really feels like, hey, the football season is here. And then because the NFL cut down the preseason, uh, you know, there's, it's not going to feel like it's five weeks away. I mean, it is right around the freaking corner. We were talking yesterday about college football uh, week zero is 15 days away. Oh, yeah. There's game. There's four games, at least four games. Those are the four on the board. There's more games than that. I know San Jose, I think, uh, I think plays on uh, week zero against Southern Utah. So we're 15 days away from college football. Uh, UNLV football at the Al starts up on September 22nd. Or check that, September 2nd. So you're looking at 19, 20 days there. So football is here, baby. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. So that means on this show, we start with baseball. Makes sense, right? Of course. All the football hype. Uh, There are some good baseball stories out there, interesting baseball stories. This one may be under the radar, but uh, do we have another Bobby Bonilla-type deal? The Orioles signed... Remind me on the size of this deal, was it 7 and 161? 7 and 161 for Chris Davis in 2016. Oh, boy. And he has... I mean, he's the classic drop-off guy. He just fell apart. Like, you couldn't even keep him on the freaking roster. He was so bad. And he still has time left on the deal. Well, people talk about Bobby Bonilla's deal and the fact that it's still being paid out and that he really didn't give them much. No, 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 no. He actually no, 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 he no, actually no. gave them something. Don't – no, don't – there's no comparison. No, I know because he, his – and his his wins above replacement wasn't great. Yeah. During the life of the contract, it was like nine. No, they, they signed Bobby Bo as if he was Barry Bonds and they thought right. he was going to be like – 35 and 120 like he was never that type of player he was really a gap and average guy he was more like a 20 homer 90 rbi guy and then he got into it with the media and he couldn't get along with teammates and they wanted to move on chris davis i mean you're talking about freaking uh you know like eugenio suarez is looking at him going dude you suck and and that guy's had the weirdest year ever eugenio suarez for the reds is hitting like i have in fantasy so i watch it every day i mean he never gets two hits in a game ever He's been hitting like at 173 to 182 all year, but he's got like, you know, 23 homers and he's actually driving and runs. Chris Davis, like you could not play him. He's like a 151 hitter with half of his at bats being strikeouts. Well, and what I was getting at, Bobby Bo had like a nine wins above replacement, which isn't great, but like it's better than an average player. Right, right. Chris Davis has been a negative war guy over wow. the life of the contract, which means pretty much just take the average player somewhere and you'd be better off. Than, pay, than this guy than you're paying, paying. Paying this guy $23 million a year. <laughs> Which is insane. So he's going to retire, but apparently part of their deal was that he's still going to get paid next year, which is kind of crazy, but I think it was more, uh, he probably said to them, 
yeah, I'll just put me on the DL again. I don't care. You're going to have right. to pay me, which is within his rights. And they were like, we can't, we can't. Just go away. We don't want you on the roster anymore. But they have part of the deal when they signed it. And actually, if you go back and look, a lot of, like, you know, especially Baltimore media people were just lauding the deal and saying, yeah, it's a lot of money, but a lot of it's deferred. They're going to get to pay it way after his career is over. They don't have to pay it now. They can pay it and make payments all the way to 2032. Yeah, well, well, now, now you're going to have to make those payments, and he's not paying. As I say all the time, uh, there's about two markets that can use the excuse that we're a little bit, uh, you know, a small market, or uh, and Oakland's not really a small market, but we're we're lower income in terms of, you know, the and they, they all get money, they all get money, they all they're all getting uh, ninety, hundred million dollars off the top with rev sharing and the TV deal. Uh, Baltimore's a classic. They used to be big market somehow, and now they're small market. And the thing that mystifies you when you look back at it, and it's kind of what Minnesota did with Joe Maurer. When you have a guy who's really good on your team, like if you if your financial constraints are not going to allow you to really build a team around him, if you pay a guy twenty five million dollars a year, then walk. Yeah. Like be solid baseball people. And the worst part with Chris Davis is, do you remember his career arc? Because I remember talking about Chris Davis uh, early in his career when he was first coming up, and Dave Kokum was like, he stinks, he strikes out too much. And then I was laughing at Dave. Uh, you know, a couple years later, the guy hits fifty home runs. But the whole point of that was. The 50 came from out of nowhere. (laughs) So when that happens and the guy traditionally, you know, projects to be 215 with 18 homers, you know, a part-time first baseman and all of a sudden he hits 50, he's probably not going to hit 50 for the rest of his career. And, you know, it's like, I don't want to make allegations, but it was one of those amazing rises. And then all of a sudden it ended. It's like, well, that's why you don't sign a guy to a seven-year deal. He had two pretty good home run seasons, yeah. and one was just before uh, he signed the contract. So he, he hit uh, 53 in 2013, 46 in 2015, and then that offseason got the deal. So I guess it was more like, all right, let's see if we can do it again. And he did, and they're like, okay, okay, we're going to sign you. But if you look at the rest of his career, you're right. It just wasn't there. I mean, it was, you know, yeah, there was injuries and things like that, but it was 17, 21, 6, 3, 2. Well, but it's the average and the strikeout rate yeah. is unbelievable. And then it went, it went what, 3 2, 33, 53, 26, 47. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. And that's why it's awesome that it happened to the Orioles. They're cheap as hell. They pay one guy and it completely blows up in their face. Uh, I, so yeah. good for Chris Davis. I'm not mad at him. He did what he had to do, he took advantage of it. They were dumb enough to sign him this you know, long contract. And that's why it still makes me nervous. Like even Tatis, and he's. He's, he's not Chris Davis. He's a superstar, but still, when you sign guys to seven, eight, nine, ten-year deals, they can fall off, man. But you just lose it. I think I'd rather be paying Manny Machado. That one's worked out okay. But, but it could be the Orioles. Oh, you'd rather be paying Manny Machado that money. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> like, okay, we can either sign Chris Davis or Manny well, Machado long to, to my point, right? Like, hey, we, you know, we're all, we can only pay one guy. Well, Chris Davis is the guy. We're going to put all our eggs in the Chris Davis basket. And then he keeps you from keeping Manny Machado, which then again depresses the fan base. So they're like, this team sucks. And that is that is one of the classic situations. Sell the freaking team, dude. Move on. All right. That is way too long for Baltimore to have bad baseball. Number four. So stupid. It really is. Well. Speaking of that, baseball economics have changed. 
And it, it certainly changed. And he actually, he was driving the bus on this, Trevor Bauer. Bauer did not sign, sign a long-term deal, and he had a one-year out. So he signed for short and a lot of money. And maybe part of the story we didn't realize is that there really wasn't anyone out there who was going to give him a seven-year deal, seven deal because of the person he, he is. And uh, it looks like, um, is he done for the season? No, but he's had another one of these extensions added on to his time away. Yeah, the, it's it's a weird loophole in the rules that it can really only be seven days at a time uh, for these administrative leaves until they take some more greater action. Uh, so they just have, have to keep extending it by seven days. This will be the fifth extension now uh, of Trevor Bauer's leave of absence. It'll go through uh, August 20th this time, and I would wager to guess it'll then go through August 27th in a few days when they make yeah. that extension. Uh, he does have a hearing coming up uh, sometime next week. Uh, between the 16th and the 19th in LA Superior Court, so we'll see if anything comes out of that. Not likely. His uh, his team has has asked for several continuances of that date, so maybe it gets continued again. But um, if there is some kind of court hearing and something comes out of there, maybe something changes. But I would but Adam, imagine. here's the thing: we've also heard you know rumors that there are a lot of Dodger teammates who are like, "Yeah, we don't want him back." So even if he's cleared, I don't know what the Dodgers will do. The organization might not want him back. They might just put him on the DL and you deal with what you're dealing with. Then we'll have a big fight because you because obviously he ain't going to stay quiet about it. No, for sure. Uh, but you know we, we don't we don't know if those are true. We think it's we think it's probably true. I mean, they, they, it makes a lot of sense that players be frustrated and not wanting him around there. But um, you never know until something is out. I mean, let, let's say I would think if he was a great teammate and a great guy, his teammates would be rushing to his defense. Even as bad as it is, you'd be like, hey, let's let the facts come out and we'll see. You know what happens it's not really how it's been and so you would think that there's probably things that happened way before this but if something were to come out in the hearing you know I've, i i know people still that are like trevor bauer's side is concrete like they're gonna crush this girl in court and they're gonna win and everybody's gonna know he's innocent you're like okay i mean if that happens sure you have a tough decision if major league baseball and his teammates but like that's the kind of out his teammates don't really even seem to be giving him right now number three I think the story is a mixed bag. I think in in the uh, short term, this is a good move, but I, I believe this is a sign of bad things to come for the Steelers. Steelers just made a trade to get a linebacker. Who they grab? Uh, Joe Schobert. Okay. And I was shocked by if Schobert had signed a, a nice deal with the Jaguars and makes a good salary, and it's like, wait, you can add someone like this? You know, this close to the season, they actually had twelve million dollars in cap space. Yeah. Now, here's the worrisome part. There are a lot of areas on the Steelers team that would suggest to you this ain't the same old Steelers. Like, everyone assumes every year the Steelers are going to be good. I think they've got problems at lots of different levels on this team on both sides of the ball. Yeah. This will help. Yeah. This will help. But they were very beat up at linebacker. Their offensive line, who the hell knows what's going to happen, is Big Ben, was that a, the beginning of a big decline, and is he going to stay healthy this entire year. Do you worry about the Steelers, especially since the rest of the division is, you know, the, the Browns obviously have arrived. What do you think of the Steelers? I mean, I think that they're they're in a tough spot for the next couple of years being behind the Ravens. Although, listen, yeah, you know yeah. I you know I love Lamar. Yep. They're gonna sign him. That's gonna ruin them. So Well it's gonna it's gonna ruin their cap flexibility yeah. and to try to build a team when a guy's making thirty five to forty something million dollars. Yeah. Oh it's tough. Gets uh, tougher. Unless Lamar is is willing to gift the organization. It's going to be at least 43. I mean, he's had a better career than Josh Allen, and Josh Allen just got 42. So it better be more than that. 
unless he's going to do you know what some other quarterbacks have done like you know brady in the past and you know take a discount and, and help the team like his agents i'm sure will say yeah we're, we're getting more than what allen got so that really does set them back so that that's some and baker's up although i think the browns are gonna be the one team that's smart enough i think the browns is the best organization in sports i think they look at him and they're like no we're not getting we're not all gonna the bet. number crunching nerds are yeah. gonna say hey this is this is how it works we can't you know we can't field a competitive team around you, you if you're can't. making you know here's 26 million yeah. But we ain't giving you 35. Yeah, you can't pay a quarterback that much. So I think the Browns might be smart enough to not do it. But yeah, I think the Steelers are buried behind those teams for a while. They're in a tough spot. But to your point, like I, I think the opposite. I think they feel like they're closer than than we do from the outside because you know they lose a linebacker just before camp, and they say, okay, we need to go out and fill it with somebody that you know we'll give up a pick. We'll go fill it with somebody that makes a significant amount of money. We have the space to do it. Uh, because we need to plug this hole because we're a contender. Like they, they are playing this like they are, and you have to. If you're going to bring Roethlisberger back, you have right. to play it like you're a contender. You do, but I, they've mismanaged the, the Big Ben situation. Yeah. They they should have had the and next he did guy. Take a pay cut. I know, but they should have had the next guy ready to go. They probably thought it was the racist, and then they Mason Rudolph. Yeah, yeah. And then they forgot about it. But I think we could have concluded about you know over a year ago that he's not the next guy. So I oh and or they they would have to you know it's not even swallowing your pride. It's Hey, at some point, a guy's too old. He's making too much money. You you have to go out and get the bridge quarterback. Could I mean this this is this is saying a lot. Uh, could the Steelers have been you know a team to be in the running to get nine, ten, or eleven wins with Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Tyrod Taylor, or Jacoby Brissett at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that I, I I trust in Mike Tomlin, and that's why I'm not writing him off completely this year. But I think they could have gone with the bridge this year and drafted someone or had an eye on a free agent in the future, maybe they're a team that trades for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I think that would have been probably the more prudent move to make. Um, they're they're throwing all their you know support and weight and putting all their dreams in the Ben Roethlisberger corner, which uh, I wouldn't do, but that's what they're doing. And, you know, this is, this is a move to say, hey, we need to fill this hole because we have a hole, a glaring hole going into the season. We can fill it. We can give up a pick. We can spend some money. And do it. You don't do that if you don't think you can compete. It's on a side note. It's like the Tigers the other day resigned Johnson Scope for the next two years, which I was like, they think they're going to be good. Like this is awesome. I mean, they are. They're five hundred, but like they they're not taking a step back. They're going forward. Like sometimes signings tell you where where a team believes they are. It doesn't mean they are. It doesn't mean they're right, but it tells you where a team believes they are. Number two, Mac Jones last night. What'd you think? It's fine. What do Patriots fans think? That he's better than Brady, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's insane. No, it's it's a case where you can't just look at numbers. Um, his numbers were very pedestrian. Um, well, he was what thirteen and nineteen, but he also the 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 average reception went six yards. Yeah, it was nothing. <laughs> uh, but but then again, his best throw was to the end zone. It was uh, it was you can call it dropped. I think the I think. You know, it allowed the receiver to get his hand in there. It wasn't necessarily open, but it was a great throw. Can't take that away from him. So you you look at that and say, it could have been even better. Could have been fourteen or nineteen for you know another thirty yards and a touchdown would have looked a lot better. So that it's where numbers do not tell you the story typically. Uh, it's more like analyzing exactly how a guy played. I, I thought he looked fine. I thought there was you know times that he looked uh, looked confident, poised, all the things you want to see from a quarterback. I, you know, it's not he's not a bust. He's not Zach Wilson yet. Like right? total bust already. Jets call um, it. He did he did the things that you want to see from him as a quarterback, as a rookie quarterback. I, I think you have to walk away from that as a Patriots fan or, or organization and be like, all right, cool, we we got something here. Probably let's 
continue to work on this, but based on the fans' reaction, done deal. Like they, last night I think you won his third Super Bowl. Number one. All right, big test again for the stadium tomorrow. Uh, listen, it's a preseason game, so we're not going to go crazy over you know, how the Raiders perform in the game. Really, the, the storyline locally is the masking up, what's going to happen inside the stadium, if they can police that, as Adam brought up earlier. Uh, they're going to be pretty stringent on it because uh, the Raiders really need to put forth uh, an image that, hey, they're taking this mask thing seriously. They're taking their, their COVID plan seriously right they have to answer to a lot of people you don't want to get to a point where you have to go new orleans route and then you're saying hey fans have to be fully vaccinated or provide a test a negative test uh you know within 48 hours 72 hours uh of the game but the parking and entry to the stadium that's what's being tested right because entry to the stadium for the gold cup was not easy because so many of the ticket all the tickets are digital and people were having trouble pulling up their tickets. And then the parking, every one of these big events is a story, Adam. Yeah, it's going to continue to be. And, and they're going to continue to try to, you know, tweak it here and there and find new and better ways to make things happen. And we're going to see that continue to go. I think I, I, uh, I saw year. someone post uh, the opportunity for others to buy a parking pass in Lot U for $50. And the immediate reaction was $50 for a preseason game. Yeah, this is reality now, folks. Everything in that stadium, the cheapest parking option, you know, proper parking option. You may be able to find local businesses charging less, but 50 bucks. And then anywhere near the stadium is $100. And obviously, they're still trying to work out the rideshare, pickup, drop-off mix. So all that's going to be really interesting. Um, And there are warnings out there that you need to get to the game early, like, three hours early now unless you're tailgating i don't know what the hell you're gonna do i guess you walk over to mandalay and luxor and you know whatever down to the excalibur you can hang out you know you can go over to crazy horse three we like that place we want to go there i guess you can but you map out your plan now yeah i mean I, i was telling people the way i plan to go and suggesting how to get to certain lots and depends on you know where you're parking i'll be i'll be just south of the stadium south of russell uh behind some of those hotels and I, somebody asked what time I plan to get there. Six o'clock game? One? Probably. Uh, three o'clock, they're doing a ribbon cutting. Like yeah. the official open of the stadium. You know, yeah. Mark Davis gets to walk into the stadium. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be a big deal. I think Marie Osmond is doing the national anthem. Yeah. And halftime is? Santana? Santana. Yeah. It'll be fun. I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited for the game. Like again, Last year I, was bizarre. Yeah. You and I both got to go to the stadium. You went a lot more than I did. I went for UNLV games, but it was bizarre. It was just like like the, you didn't really open the stadium. It was like scrimmages. It was very weird. Oh. And by the way, uh, you know, Premier League started today. There was a, a huge story in the Premier League actually today. Uh, Brentford got promoted. Uh, they had their first win in the Premier League in like 75 years. The fans were like unbelievable. And I saw a lot of the commentators, commentators like, you imagine if this was last year. And like they didn't, they didn't, uh, they didn't participate the way they did, and they weren't like singing. They're singing "Hey Jude" the entire crowd oh, wow. together. It was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, like those kind of moments weren't there. But even not even those kind of moments because those are special, like once in a lifetime kind of things. Um, just in general, not having the fans there was weird. And it, I mean, it was great for traffic. Got to get in and out whenever yeah. I wanted to. Could go. Oh, it's going to be different this year. Right Last it's, year was crazy. Yeah. Just right up to this empty stadium. There's no one there, but they're back. The fans are back. Mark Davis is back. I think to go I, to games. I think I was parking like a hundred feet from the entrance. <laughs> it was great. 
they uh, they mentioned the ribbon cutting is at the north entrance. I'm like, yeah, I used to park like 400 feet from there. This awesome. time around, a nah. little different, a little nah. different. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Yeah, Gannon is uh, he's going to broadcast the game and can't believe he's not doing all the games. He's, he's his preparation, his uh, work ethic. I've always marveled at. He's a great friend and I've had a lot of great experiences with him. To see my dad and Gannon out there on the same day, my two favorite G-men of all time. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Adam covers the Raiders just about every day, so you get access to these guys. And you know, Gruden doesn't speak every day, but those are the kind of things when you cover the Raiders, like, listen, we, we want to see the Raiders do well. At least I do. Um, and Gruden's an easy guy to root for, but he's a, he isn't, he's a funny guy to cover. It's just, just those little stories, you know, the other day when he was busting you guys about, you know, you guys look like you need an IV and then, and then you set him off where he's like, look, I'm not an idiot. Uh, I'm not an idiot. There he is. <laughs> It was my favorite moment. And then, so and then talking about Rich Gannon and his announcer chops. I don't even think my question was that. I, I didn't call him an idiot. I just said, do you care about that stuff? Some coaches don't. I, I still think the the fact that you presented it is like back in your day. He's Like he, you're a feeble old man. He's the one that he's usually. He's with a walker and the tennis ball. He's like, what, GPS? He's the one that usually says that stuff. Yeah. I was just playing into his game. So uh, the Raiders website, Raiders are suggesting get to the game tomorrow at least three hours prior. Don't tell me twice. Wait. I'll, t- I'll say this. I mean, they, they are doing the ribbon cutting. They're going to do a ceremony at the North End. Ford Plaza, I think it's called. Yeah, I, I think that's I what thought we called. don't use sponsor names on the show. Uh, in this case, I will. Okay. You know, people know the stadium. Uh, but, yeah, they're going to do a whole ribbon cutting thing, and then Mark Davis gets to walk into his stadium. Really, I mean, he's been in there. But, you know, last year said, hey, I'm not going to games. I'll tell you this right now. I'm leaving my house at 1230, stopping at my coffee place, which the line is – 45 minutes, an hour, who, who knows what it'll be tomorrow. And so what, however long that line is, that's what I'm getting. You're going to get there. So you're going to get there so easily that far in advance of the game. It's the line at the coffee place. It's not the yeah, I know. <laughs> it's not, uh, not tailgate the lots open four hours before. Is that yeah. right? Uh huh. So I mean, that's what I would do. It's going to be hot as Hades as it is in August. Hades. Yeah, hot as hell. Um, I understand. That's that what I, I would do. Didn't know why you were cleaning it up. I don't know. Or trying to sound learned. Maybe. I still, I'm still trying to figure out more ways to use bifurcate, which I didn't even have to spell, but Justin Watkins used it on Wednesday. Is it? Yeah, I don't know either. B i f e r c a t e. I think it's U r, but it might be e r. I think I tried to spell it U r, but it was it was e r. Okay. And I really didn't know what it meant, and then I think I misused it. Trying to Mm, definitely you keep things separate. Bifurcate. Bifurcate. Yes. Yeah. If you are. Wait, what? It's b i f u r. I was like, watch yourself. Just heard the f u. Yeah. Yeah, so get out there early. Don't, don't please do not, do not say you weren't warned. This isn't like an it's, airport. It's, it's, it's got not an be, airport situation where you're like, arrive at your flight two hours early. No, this is you real. Don't have to. It's real. They're still working things out. Yeah. And there's plenty of places right there on the strip to go hang out. And you know, who, who knows? Five years from now, there'll be a whole entertainment district down there. But be warned, this, pe- people are showing up for this. Like I said, the Vikings preseason game has three dollar tickets. The Raiders get in is ninety bucks. It's, I, people I heard, paid hundreds of dollars. You know, we had a listener contact us two months ago, and he's like, "I got you know two twenty a ticket." 
for the first preseason, and we're like, what? But that's what people are going to – it's going to be a massive crowd. We've also – we've talked to people who are like, oh, you know, it was terrible. Parking was terrible. Traffic was terrible. I didn't even get in for the beginning of the game or the concert. And I'm like, well, I was like, oh, man, that sucks. What time did you leave? Well, the, I mean, the stadium's seven minutes from my house. I left at 645. Game's at seven. Like, okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's on you. That's, uh, that's not the stadium's fault. You got to give yourself some time until they work out the parking situation. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Hey guys, what's up? I'm Sierra. And I'm Russell Wilson. And, and this, this is, is the GQ, GQ Couples Quiz. Quiz. So, what is my favorite TV show of all time? Fresh Prince? No, but that is a great show. Martin? Bingo! Hey. I like Ciara, just because she likes mine. I like that show, too. Which show? I like Gina. I feel like every episode was the same. It was the same. Yeah, but it was good. All enjoyable. Just like Three's Company. It was just very frantic all the time. Sure. Gina was always mad. Come on, Martin. Get it together. Martin was always trying to get out of trouble. Just to... So we uh, we came in with that, uh, that clip from GQ and the couple's Q&A, and it's just... I still can't get past what Russell Wilson tried to do in the offseason. Chuck Powell's with us. He covers the Seahawks in Seattle. He's on KJR. Seattle's in town to take on the Raiders tomorrow. Chuck, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. By the way, Martin, uh, his contribution to the world was uh, giving us uh, the synonym Pilly Packer for, okay. for you know what. <laughs> um, you know, this is, this, is yeah. like a deep, this is a deep reference, but didn't he have an issue – uh, yes. Did he catch on fire jogging or something? Like he was in like one of those plastic suits. My my girlfriend loves to bring that up all the time. Like yeah. if I get all sweaty, she's like, "You're going to turn into Martin and catch on fire." <laughs> I, I don't actually recall that, but you know what? I don't. I don't doubt that. I mean, how many of us in jogging haven't caught on fire before? If I had a nickel, I think I'm. I think I might be making up the fire part. I think he might have just got really hot. Um, so anyway, so the, <laughs> the reason we played that coming in is I, I stole. I don't. I, I hate doing this because uh, Adam loves doing this now with. Uh, uh, Yoko Woodley and Aaron Rodgers, like always blaming the woman for pushing the guy to do something that normally wouldn't do. It's still, I, I still can't get past Chuck, the weird Russell Wilson. He's going to take a stand. He puts out the stupid trade list. And I'm not saying it's Ciara who, who did it, but uh, God, he got so freaking like rejected off the glass by everyone who runs the Seattle organization. Is it all good now? Uh, we're supposed to believe that. I, I, I don't know if Russell Wilson is really a, a natural leader. He's a hard worker and I think a leader by example. And there are some guys in the locker room that live for that, you know, that absolutely feed off of his energy and his positivity and always being an optimist. But a lot of the guys back in the day, you know, the Sherms and the Doug Baldwins and others kind of saw him as fake. Uh, so now all of a sudden you introduce, he's married to a celebrity and the marriage kind of happened like overnight. And it went from we went on our first date to we're getting married in two weeks kind of thing. Uh, and so, you know, it, it kind of opens him up for a little bit more uh, of that, um, you know, that sort of, you know, questioning, you know, that that aspect of, you know, Russell Wilson. So I think that he becomes a target for it. Um, but, you know, I. 
I don't know. I mean, we speculated about it. I don't think anybody in our market outright accused Sierra of being too meddling. Uh, but, right. you know, now at this stage, as the season's getting underway, we haven't brought it up. We haven't really discussed his, his leadership. I thought that the offensive line stuff was way over-exaggerated. I didn't think his offensive linemen were going to hold it against them, and it doesn't seem that they have. We had Brandon Shell on earlier this week as starting right tackle, and he kind of laughed uh, that the question uh, was being asked of him. So I, I don't think there's anything... Anything this offseason did any harm to his reputation in the locker room as a leader. But I would say I think that he's always been kind of questioned uh, as a leader of all men, if that makes sense. Um, I, think half, I think he's always kind of divided the locker room. I think Hafford absolutely devoted to the way he leads, and the other half sit there and question him a little bit. Well, do you feel like this is a dead issue, or is it just pushed down a year? Uh, I think that if this offense doesn't fix what was wrong with them a year ago in the second half, and look, I mean, I I don't think it's broken. Russell Wilson's still an elite quarterback. But because of what happened this offseason and kind of laying that groundwork, he and his agent, for, hey, by the way, our quarterback might not be entirely happy with what's going on there. You kind of stole from him, you know, that let Russ cook, first half that he was having and pulled the reins and he's not happy about it. So we're kind of putting you on warning. We're kind of putting you on blast right now. And we're going to maybe have to readdress this in the off season. So you bring in a new offensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator brings in a short passing game. The idea behind it is that we're going to get receivers open earlier in the routes so that Russell can get rid of the ball more quickly. And if this does, in fact, fix his sack issue, because they didn't exactly load up on offensive linemen with the exception of you guys, this guy, Gabe Jackson. If this doesn't fix the issue, then it might not be fixable. And so I think that if the offense clicks this year, if the team advances further than it did a year ago, then I think that the issue will go away. But if you go backwards, and let's say you just make it as far as you did a year ago, an early ouster in the playoffs, round number one, where you got dominated by the Rams, that sort of thing, or heaven forbid if you miss the playoffs at all, I don't think Russell Wilson will be a Seahawk next year. Oh, boy. Jeff Powell's with us. KJR covers the Seahawks, covers the Seattle scene. Super creative guy, and I I mean this. Your your gimmick, your bit, whatever you want to call it, your Chuck Knox tournament, uh, K-N-O-C-K-S, your Chuck Knox tournament, a while back, I thought it was awesome, and I love that you had a drama region that was headed up by Jamal Adams' contract. Yeah, yeah. Shane and Walter still going won. On. The new and offensive coordinator on. won the tournament, by the way, as okay. the most interesting story heading into camp. <laughs> but Jamal right. Adams was my choice. Yeah. And, yeah. and by the way, we're seeing a lot of legs to that. We're seeing why that was such a big issue, because – it's not just about whether or not you're going to give him the money. There's also the issue of, is he worth the money? Mm-hmm. I mean, he had nine and a half sacks last year, but was an absolute liability in pass coverage. <laughs> I mean, liability, not even yeah. like third grade ranked, third, uh, third round, excuse me, uh, third stream, third stream depth on the safety chart kind of stuff here in the National Football League. That's how bad he was defending the pass as a safety. 
And so there's this issue of what kind of role is he going to play this year? Have you already overpaid for him in draft compensation? Do you then double down and overpay him financially and strap yourself from a cap standpoint? Then you got to figure out what's his role going forward. Are we going to play him like we did a year ago and let him try to get 12 sacks, even at the cost of our secondary? Or are we going to ask him to play more conventionally going forward so Pete and Ken Norton Jr., the defensive coordinator, can get back to the defense they're accustomed to operating? So there's just so, there are so many layers to this. And right now, you know, there are a lot of people that warned he's never going to play again. <laughs> without wow. a contract extension. You should have known that when he was a Jet, when he was complaining about it as a rookie, for goodness sakes. <laughs> you should have known that he wasn't going to play out his entire contract. So we don't know. I mean, he seems to be dug in. That's the report. The Seahawks seem to be dug in right now. And yet people are saying it's amicable and they're close. And so, you know, believe what you want, but obviously there are a lot of layers to this Jamal Adams situation for the Hawks. So on this show, we've had a debate that centers around Russell Wilson, but because Josh Allen just signed this mega deal where he's going to get $43 million a year starting in a couple of years, and Adam has made the proclamation that there's basically a cutoff number, uh, whether it's $32 million, $33 million, whatever it is, at a certain point, you cannot pay that quarterback that much money and still put together a winning team at the highest level. Are you bought in on that? I mean, obviously, what Seattle's tried to do here with Russell Wilson, I mean, it's gone okay, but, you know, they haven't reached the heights they did, you know, when Russell was not making anything. I'm waiting for the general manager that has the uh, cojones, you know, uh, to say, I'm never going to sign a veteran to a contract extension. I'm always going to trade him for three first-round draft picks and then start all over with a rookie. I, I, I want to. I can't wait till a general manager actually has the guts to try that, and never gets in a position where I've got to pay my quarterback, you know, thirty percent of my, you know, payroll. But nobody's had the guts to try it because, as you guys both know, the quarterback is so valuable to the success of a franchise. It's never been more valuable, and yet it's always been the most important position in sports. And and here we are at a period where it's at its peak. And so when you have one, how do you then veer from that? And how do you experiment? How do you put that much faith in yourself as a general manager that the draft pick that you got can pick up where your veteran just left off? So it does happen. I mean, we do see it happen. And I think these quarterbacks are more ready, NFL ready than ever before. You know, you know, I think Joe Burrow is ready to be a, you know, was ready to be a star before the injury occurred last year. It looks like Trevor Lawrence is somebody that I think could be a star uh, right off the bat. But nevertheless, I mean, it's going to take huge guts for a general manager to, you know, pass on. I've got a quarterback that works, forty million dollars or not. Do I dare bring any harm to that by trading him away for picks? and putting our future in the hands of a rookie. Chuck, watch Cleveland. They're going to do it. You think Cleveland's going to do it? I, I yep. can't wait. I want to see it. I want to see somebody <laughs> try it. I want to see somebody that have the guts to do that because I think it can be done as long as you've got a good eye for a quarterback. As a general manager, I think it can be done. What's the biggest position battle, position of concern for the Seahawks, and do we actually see any of that kind of play out tomorrow in a preseason game? Uh, I think that 
It's kind of the lesser positions. I mean, we have a center battle. We have a nickel back battle going on right now. Um, we're, you know, we're trying to figure out if Daryl Taylor, who was last year's second round pick and didn't play all season last year because of injury, are, are they going to play him in that Bruce Irvin linebacker, pass rusher linebacker role that Bruce Irvin played in in this system? Or does he go to the more conventional Leo defensive end edge rusher Cliff Averill position that he made, you know, that, that he played here in Seattle a few years ago? So, there's sort of that question, and none of us know going into uh, tomorrow night. So very curious about that. But, um, you know, we have a third wide receiver issue that we thought was going to be solved by Dwayne Estridge, our second-round pick, but he hasn't practiced at all. So that leaves that position wide open uh, right now. So there are camp battles everywhere. And, you know, Dwayne Brown's sitting out too, not just Jamal Adams. Yeah. So we have a camp battle for the starting left tackle, just in case Dwayne Brown isn't signed or isn't okay to play by opening day. So I don't think I remember more camp battles at a Seahawks training camp. I know there haven't been this many. Usually we have one or two. We have like nine. But they're not at any of the like pivotal positions, if that makes sense. Most important question, uh, what sort of drink do you make as soon as you get off the phone? Well, um it's martini night is uh, Friday night. So six o'clock, the first, I have a record player now, Steve. So I love playing records now. Uh, and so first record goes down at six o'clock. First martini is served at six o'clock. Uh, and then there's dancing and there's uh, later will be a, a television program dancing. of some kind. I think we're going with Ken Burns country music uh, tonight. Uh, documentary. That's uh, a good one. So yeah, we got a big, uh, it, Friday night's always a big deal. Here at the Powell household, I'll tell you that much right oh, now. Like the Great Gatsby. <laughs> Without the money. Yeah, Chuck, I've known Chuck for a long time because Chuck and I used to work together in the 90s in Vegas, and Chuck didn't start drinking until, I mean, time's flown, so maybe it's like five yeah. years now or eight years, but you lived in Vegas, you never drank. I mean, it's, I know. it still it boggles the mind. What were you doing? So much wasted time. Uh, first uh, drink I ever had my 31st birthday. And I did it because I wanted to tell the joke forever. 21? You mean I could have started drinking at 21? Uh, so uh, that joke got old uh, after a couple of weeks. But first drink at 31, and since that time, Steve, I've never looked back. I, I, like, I love this side of the fence. It's wonderful. Yes, we have to meet up and have those delicious white Russians again, which are <laughs> not delicious. That's a tradition. Oh, I'm not saying I yeah. like white Russians. That's just a tradition that cannot die. All right, Chuck, get to it and uh, enjoy the country music documentary. It's excellent. All right. Thank you. There he is, Chuck Powell, morning show host on KJR. You know, I, we don't have time to get to it. And, and Chuck is, uh, even though I don't know what was going on there, he was like doing we an hour. He's been in Seattle for like five years. I mean, what the hell's happening here? Um, I still feel like when Seattle plays the Raiders, this is stupid what the NFL did. What? The rivalry. Like that, that like it should still be a. I wonder if like Seahawks fans even care about the Raiders anymore. Like that, like I know some. There's been a good amount of time that's passed, but the NFC West still makes it, it's weird. And I know they've developed rivalries with the Niners, but the Seahawks were the AFC West with the other teams, with the freaking Chargers and the Chiefs and the Broncos and the Raiders. This changed in like 1980. I know, but I still, it still feels like they should be a rival. What are you doing? Bo Jackson and Bosworth kicking him in the chest or where the hell he did. It was like 40 years ago. Is it? Ah, crap. <laughs> 
Stick around. Cofield and Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios. Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Adam was like snapping at me during the break. Boy, that was an old guy moment. It was. Well, time, you know, time flies, man. It does. It does. Like, you know, these, because uh, I often think about it in baseball. Like, I just I think it's stupid and weird that the Astros in the American League, and I was going to have a whole conversation with Chuck Powell from Seattle covering the Seahawks. I'm like, yeah, you know, at some point, if the NFL ever expands, move Seattle back to the freaking AFC West. I was like, I don't, I don't believe in these rivalries in the NFC West. They've been there since 2002. It's 19 years. Yeah. It's been a long time. I was off. I thought it was 40 years. It's only been 20. It's been a long time. Like, I'm pretty comfortable with the divisions where they are, where they are now. I think that, you know what? They're coming up on matching the amount of time they were in the AFC West, now in the NFC West. You want the Bucks back in the NFC Central? No, that was always stupid. That was a thing. It's a good regional match now. They all are. That was weird. Well, they all I mean, are. I mean, like baseball. It's like, hey, you know, Dodgers in Atlanta, NL West. There's Cincinnati. <laughs> so stupid. Wait, what? It was awful. Terrible. They've done a good job with realignment. Just let it let it lie. Seahawks Raiders was a really good rivalry. Sure, for children of the '80s, they enjoyed that. Yeah. I think I got caught up in it too because I was watching. Speaking of documentaries, by the way, Chuck watching that, uh, Chuck Powell watching that country music documentary. I know you don't like country music, but it actually it's a really informative. It's more about it's more about it actually uh, the country music documentary kind of matches basically any other music documentary because there's always this battle within any music genre about like what's what's what it should be and what's new and the new stuff. Uh, you know, people get mad about the new stuff and always trying to return to some sort of roots, and that's most of what that country music documentary is. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, I was saying, uh, the reason I was thinking about Seattle, too, is I I, I don't always get to watch those football uh, football life that they do on NFL Network. And I watched one on Steve Largent. So you saw all the old highlights of the AFC West. And that's a pretty good documentary, too. Sure. Watch some TV this weekend. Enjoy the Raiders game if you're going out there. And uh, we're back tonight, 1030. DC and the Sunshine Man podcast. Good job, Ari. Thanks to Curtis Terry.